Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about what does it mean to fight OCD? Often, it is a counterintuitive way to approach fighting OCD. Sometimes it's like the antithesis, the opposite of what we sometimes perceive as fighting. And I want to talk about this because I feel like sometimes when we talk to kids about fighting their OCD, or I like to use the word crushing OCD, they misconstrue that. And sometimes parents do as well. So I'm going to dive into what does it mean to fight OCD in a very counterintuitive sort of way when we think about that word fight and how to teach our kids the same thing. But before I get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., and you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com, treatmyocd.com, and you can schedule that for yourself and for your kids. Gotten really good feedback about people being able to finally access pediatric OCD therapy through NoCD. So thank you for them for doing that. So I just got back from the OCD conference in Denver. I am so exhausted. I had gotten COVID prior, you know, a few weeks prior and have like long COVID symptoms. Like I'm feeling really fatigued, a little bit brain foggy, a pesky little dry cough that's itching my throat. And so by the end of the conference, like my entire body is just so sore because I really wasn't ready for a marathon of social interaction and having to be on. (laughs) Well, that's my complaints, but the OCD conference itself was really, really great. And thank you for those of you that did come up to me and introduce yourself. A lot of people did, and I really appreciate it. You know, I really appreciate all the, the warm greetings of people who are soaking up my work and taking the effort to reach out and say hi. I want to thank you guys for doing that. It felt very warm and inviting. And I think the community, the OCD community in general, is just very warm and inviting. And so it is always a beautiful thing. I think next time. So it's going to be in San Francisco next time in July of next year. For those of you that don't know, so you can make your plans ahead of time so that you're not caught off guard. You go to iocdf.org and learn more about that or sign up for their newsletter. I'm like thinking maybe I won't present at all next time because. It's so much for me to even just show up there. And I bring my three kids and, you know, they get something out of it. Well, two out of my three. My oldest daughter, who's 18, she doesn't go. She doesn't have quote unquote OCD. She does, I mean, predominantly her issue is anxiety, but we travel as a family. And so we had fun. We went to Meow Wolf and we did, we had dinner and jazz. So we did like these fun family things when we had time. But I feel like just the combination of me having had been sick and presenting and the stress was a lot, a lot. So slept in today and wanted to make sure to talk about this on the podcast because I was doing a kid presentation. I did two of them. The second one was about how to teach kids how to recognize like new OCD weeds and 
we really went into a lot of like treatment approaches, like my, what I call quote unquote, my OCD game, which I'm going to be teaching in my online OCD class for kids and teens, which should be coming out pretty soon. I've been working on it and I'm picking up some momentum, so it should be done pretty soon. You can get on the wait list for that. I do have a link in the show notes. So if you want to be the first to be notified, get a discount on my class when it comes out, you can check that out. But what I noticed when I was teaching these kids is that their concept, some of them, their concept of fighting OCD, or when I use that language, fighting OCD, wasn't exactly on target. And a lot of people move away from the word fighting OCD. And so probably get a lot of comments about not using that word. Don't say fighting OCD because a lot of times when we're talking about fighting OCD, we're talking about counterintuitive approaches, which I'm going to go into today. But I do like the word fighting OCD for some kids. And so, you know, there's kind of different camps about how to approach the language of OCD or the metaphors of OCD. Sometimes people talk about, you know, that OCD is your friend and is trying to keep you safe. Some kids are very super sensitive and kind-hearted and don't like the idea of crushing their OCD, especially if they're personifying it or if they have an issue with over-personifying things, especially if you have kids on the spectrum or just kids who are incredibly sensitive. The idea of crushing something can, can hurt their heart. And so that metaphor or analogy doesn't work for them. And that is okay. But I do feel like as therapists and parents, we have to find the right metaphor for the kid that's in front of us. Instead of us preaching from our pedestal and saying, this is what I think, this is how we should talk about anxiety or OCD, I think we should look at the child in front of us and say, what does this particular child or teenager or adult need in my language and in my metaphors to resonate with them? And that is why I think it can be important to meet the child or teenager where they're at. And so in my family, we're aggressive. You know, we like the word crush it. We're going to, you know, obliterate it. It's our enemy. And that speaks well to us, but you have to find out what speaks well to you and your family. And so it might be training your OCD. I'm not a fan of saying that it's your friend and it's trying to keep you safe because I feel like anxiety is more like that. You know, anxiety is the amygdala and it's overreactive. It's having a false alarm. You know, it might make you worried that you're going to throw up, you're going to embarrass yourself. And it does come from that, you know, we talk about that like lizard brain or that primitive, primitive state that makes you feel anxious and is over sensitive and hyper aroused. And so, yes, in that, in that sense, anxiety, a lot of the time is trying to keep you safe is overreactive. And so I, I kind of talk about it as a, an overprotective lifeguard. And that's how I talk about anxiety. With OCD, you know, there are multiple parts of the brain, the basal ganglia and the circuitry, and that's a different part of the brain. And there's a hiccup going on there. And so it's not necessarily my brain trying to keep me safe. Depends on the theme. But if my brain is telling me that I am a homicidal maniac or that I'm going to harm myself or other people or that I may or may not be something that I know I'm not or that I might have, you know, put up my middle finger, but I didn't, or that I hit my left side, so I have to hit my right side. That's not about safety. And if you're telling me that I might pick up a knife and kill my pet, which, you know, can be a very common OCD intrusive thought is, you know, I might do harm to others or myself, and I don't want to do that. And that gets misunderstood in the general population. But those are common intrusive thoughts, taboo thoughts. That's not trying to keep me safe. 
that's just a thought I don't want to have. It doesn't do anything for me, even if it's hypersensitive. And so for OCD, I really don't like that analogy of like my brain's trying to keep me safe. I, I like it more of it's a hiccup or it is garbage or noise, you know, kind of like Reed Wilson's, you know, noise that I don't need to listen to. And I think that makes more sense to a lot of kids who have OCD. And so when we talk about fighting OCD, we want to talk to kids about it being like a chess game and that OCD is going to make its move and we have to make our move. And that whether you want to play the game or not, OCD is playing and it will it will beat you if you don't show up to the game. Now, having said that, a lot of times people think that that means I'm going to argue back with OCD. So OCD gives me maybe an intrusive thought that says, you're a bad person. You want to do bad things. And maybe for to fight back would be to argue with OCD and say, I'm not a bad person. Why are you saying that? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm a good person. I've done this, this, and this. It's really good. Well, unfortunately, a lot of times what we intuitively think is quote unquote fighting back with OCD are mental compulsions or reassurance if it's coming from you, the parent, and not the child. And so we want to be very well-versed in mental compulsions and teaching our kids what are mental compulsions. And I noticed that that was kind of a gap in the education with the kids that I worked with when I was doing my presentation on OCD weeds. These were like very well-educated kids who most of them were in therapy. And there was still that misunderstanding that when I argue with OCD, that's a mental compulsion and that that's one of OCD's sneaky moves. And so I want to explain to kids, and this is something that we can do as parents or clinicians, is let them know that the more we push back on OCD, and I use finger uh, Chinese finger traps as a really good visual analogy, or like in the presentation, I had my daughter like push against my hands and argue with me. But then when I let go and I didn't push back, she fell to the floor. She didn't hurt herself, but that's like a good visual that you can do with your kids to say, we don't want to push back on OCT. The way to fight back is to be super sneaky, ninja-like, and to maybe agree sarcastically with OCT. Yeah, I may or may not be a bad person. I may or may not do these bad things. Even though I know I won't do that, I'm not going to try to convince OCT because that's what OCT wants me to do. It wants to hook me in. I might actually even just not give meaning to these thoughts and feelings. And so we want to explain to kids that OCD's main mission or some of its main ninja tactics is to get us to be engaged, you know, to use an ACT term, acceptance commitment therapy, which I'm not an ACT therapist, but I like sprinkling all of these, you know, new approaches, old approaches, you know, they're all very, you know, I think any good OCD therapist is using a sprinkle of all of these in their work. And then we get them boxed up and presented with cute names and methodologies. But, you know, OCD is trying to hook us in, right? So if we teach our kids, OCD has a hook and it's trying to throw out those hooks and get something to stick. And so when you start engaging OCD, when you start to give meaning and value to the thoughts that it's trying to give you, by either arguing with OCD or trying to prove it wrong or trying to have your parent prove it wrong or you as a parent are trying to just provide reassurance that that's not an accurate thought or feeling, then OCD's got you hooked because now you're playing its game instead of your game. And so 
Reviewing mental compulsions is really important for kids because I think one of them that gets missed a lot is arguing in their head or debating in their head or checking or researching. Those become a little bit more obvious as they are actually doing physical activities. But, you know, reviewing things in your head to prove to OCD that you are not that person or aren't going to do those things can be seen as fighting back, but it's actually not. It's actually giving into OCD. One of my absolute favorite books for OCD that I still recommend to this day is Talking Back to OCD by John March. It's an oldie but goodie. And some people have a problem with the title of it because now we're saying you shouldn't talk back to OCD. We don't engage with OCD. There's a much bigger movement going on to talk about, you know, acceptance and just, you know, recognizing that that thought comes in or that feeling comes in and then it goes out. And the more we hook onto it, the longer it sticks around, which I totally agree with. But I think if we can talk about ninja fighting, you know, and these are OCD's ninja moves and how is, what's your ninja going to move be, or talking back to OCD doesn't mean that I'm going to talk back and say, I'm not that, or it's not dirty, or it is safe, or they're fine. It is talking back in a creative ninja sort of way, which is the gist of the book anyway, to say, yeah, I may or may not get sick. You're right, OCD. I might throw up. We don't know. There's no guarantees in life, right? So what we're ultimately trying to teach our kids is to not give meaning to these thoughts or feelings, even though OCD and the brain hiccup in and of itself will want to put value and significance into these thoughts and feelings. The other thing is the awareness to be separate from these thoughts and feelings. And so I teach kids the OCD game. And so if you've taken my online class for parents, how to teach kids to crush OCD, I talk about, you know, the OCD game and the different levels. And I kind of taught that in my presentation with the kids at the OCD conference. And it was interesting how, you know, we break down these levels and it makes it simplistic for kids. And so you talk about level one, there's four levels. There's actually five levels because level five is exposure with response prevention. But level one is just the awareness to have that separate awareness of these are thoughts and feelings that are OCDs and not mine. And I have that space in between to think about what will my next action be? And that's really important to have that awareness outside of yourself, which takes time to build, to say, that was an OCD thought, you know? Yes, it's part of my brain because sometimes kids will argue with you. Well, it's not, you know, my O cloud or it's not Bob or Gus or whatever externalized name you've given it. But helping kids understand the science behind it, this is kind of what I've done in my class that's coming out soon, hopefully, is I teach kids the science behind it, but also get them to recognize that our brain can produce spam or our brain can have a problem with the circuitry and it it gets jammed. And so we're getting a message over and over again that should have been filtered out, which is different than the amygdala that is fight or flight and is telling us that we're in trouble when we're not. Those are different. You know, sometimes they like to play together but they also can be very different. And so telling our kids that our brain is going to want to give it significance because it's on this rewind. It's on this like little like hiccup. And the way that we can allow it to filter through is to not give it significance or value. You have to almost override our brain, which can be hard for an adult to do, let alone a child. But when they do that and there's neuroplasticity that is actually easier, I think, to come by the younger and more malleable the brain is, then the long-term effects of that are so much better than not doing that 
or waiting until you're much older. And so there is this opportunity as kids recognize an OCD thought to learn intuitively how to not give it significance, how to either sarcastically agree with it, or if it's requiring them to do an action, whether it's mental or physical, to sometimes do the opposite, right? So the mental compulsions, and I'm focusing on mental compulsions because a lot of times when we're talking about fighting OCD, that's where I think things get misconstrued is the whole arguing with it, right? OCD says, oh my gosh, I think you're gay. And I know I'm not gay. And I say, I'm not gay. And OCD says, are you sure? And now I'm in this full-blown argument with it. Or OCD says, I think you're going to get sick. You just ate something that's really going to make you sick. And I say, I'm not going to get sick. Let me go back and check the expiration dates. I'm fine. No, you're going to get sick. So it doesn't matter the theme or content. We get stuck on that a lot. It matters how I'm going to engage with this thought or feeling. You know, if I get a song stuck in my head, it doesn't bother me because it's not one of my themes, you know? And so I accept it and I invite it in. I'm like, this is the, and I get songs stuck in my head all the time, but I don't place any upsetting value on it. It's just, this is the song I'm singing. I annoy other people in my family, but it doesn't really impact me. Now, my son who has OCD, it does bother him because the story that he's telling himself around that is this song is going to disrupt my focus. This song is going to disrupt my ability to attend to what I need to attend to. It's going to distract me. And so I have to get it out of my head. And the more he tries to get it out of his head, the louder it gets, the longer it sticks around. And so the counterintuitive response is to welcome it into his head more, right? Maybe I'm going to play the song. Maybe I'm going to purposely try to hum it. Maybe I'm going to set an alarm or notification on my phone that says every time it goes off, I need to hum the song more. Now it's being annoying, right? Now OCD's like, just forget about the song already. Nope, nope, I'm going to listen to it more, right? So doing the opposite of what OCD wants in whichever way that is, which will be different for each theme and content that's popping up, is very powerful. So I am going to keep this episode short just because I am going to be in bed for the rest of the day trying to relax and get my energy back. But I do hope that the message that you're getting from this episode is that it's okay to use the analogy fight. My daughter loves that. It really empowers her. And I love it for my own anxiety themes. It empowers me. So find what works for your child. I mean, sometimes I think for OCD, if they don't like the word fight, use something like that's version 1.0. Your your brain is operating on program 1.0. We need to upgrade it to 2.0. I like that analogy as well for OCD because it's like we're operating on an incorrect script. And so we don't want to respond. Oh, that's version 1.0. We don't want to respond to that because when we respond to that, then we tell the computer we need to up, you know, go to version 1.0 instead of 2.0 and we want the newer version with all the accurate information, right? That that's just noise. We don't need to listen to that. That's been like reprogrammed out of the script. So it just really depends on what your kids are into and what speaks to them. My daughter likes to be like she's a superhero and she's squashing her O cloud, which is like the villain. That works for her. But the bottom line is we want to highlight what it means to fight OCD. And that's ninja ways, right? And I use the word ninja with kids because they understand that's sneaky. And so the more OCD wants to hook you in, and the more you hook, get hooked in, 
Or sometimes I'll use an octopus analogy. It takes one of its tentacles and it wants to get suction on it. It wants to suction you. You know, it sounds kind of weird and gross, especially if you, you know, watch Stranger Things. That could be a little bit of a scary analogy, but it's a hive brain. I actually I mean you can go with Stranger Things. It can I can see a lot of great analogies with Stranger Things. You want to use the things that kids are interested in. And so it's a hive brain. And so it'll just any theme or issue will grow the octopus completely, right? And so when we ignore or we don't give value or attention to the thoughts that it wants to give us or the feelings it wants to give us, then we wind up being able to crush it and make it smaller. And so we have to be careful with that because a lot of times they might misinterpret that as if I have an upsetting thought and I think it at all, that means it's growing bigger. Or if I have a song in my head or an image in my head and it's an OCD image or thought, then it's growing bigger. And that is not the case. What we want to really explain to them is it's the action or avoidance that we do after those things pop up that grows the OCD or makes it tinier. And so it's what we do after those things are are apparent that really matter. Those thoughts and feelings are going to pop up whether you can you cuz you can't control them, right? That's not the part that you get to focus on, it's the response that matters. And arguing with OCD isn't going to help or trying to get something out of your head isn't going to help or trying to make your body feel better or to rid yourself of the uncomfortable feeling isn't going to help. Or avoiding things that are disgusting isn't going to help because that hooks you in to the OCD lie. So I hope this helps. I hope this highlights a little bit of how to tweak things at home and use different language or use language in a more effective way. I hope that you are enjoying my podcast and my YouTube channel. I actually just finished up. Well, I'll be finishing up. I do have to record a video today and then I'm going to go into bed. But I've been doing a five It's a series. It's a five-part series on YouTube on the five things that every person with OCD really should know. And number five will come out. It actually is already out because I'm I'm ahead with my podcast because I have to send this to my podcast editor, but my YouTube gets turned around really fast. And so I normally record my podcast episodes a week before they come out. When I'm traveling, I might even record them two or three weeks before they come out. And my YouTube videos are recorded on Tuesday and they come out on Thursday. So there's a very quick turnaround. So if you see me on my YouTube channel, it's probably like what I looked like two days ago. (laughs) So I will be recording that today and it'll be coming out this Thursday, which is actually in the past. So it'll be like last Thursday for you, but definitely check it out. You can go to YouTube. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but if you just type in Natasha Daniels on YouTube, eventually I should pop up. I think I pop up pretty fast because I have a lot of videos on YouTube. And check out that series. That might be a really great introduction for your kids if they watch those five videos on some of the main things that they really need to know to start getting some traction and some success with crushing their OCD. So I hope you're finding my podcast helpful. Don't forget to subscribe or hit hit a star so you can rate it. That does help. If you have a few extra seconds to leave a review, you know I greatly appreciate that. I appreciate it so much that I always try to end my podcast reading a new one if a new one has popped up. I want to thank the other Liz who wrote Insight, Guidance, and Help, a great package. As a mom to an eight-year-old with contamination OCD, I found Natasha's podcast to be very helpful and informative. I'm using it to bring the other adults in my child's care along on this journey so we can have as consistent support as possible with her. As they say, it takes a village, and I'm happy to count Natasha as a key part of the village these days. Thank you for sharing your insights and your advice. 
Well, thank you for taking the time, other Liz, to write that. I appreciate that. And I, I am really honored when people feel like I'm part of their village. And I got that from walking around the OCD conference when people would be like, hey, you're a big part of my journey. Or, you know, my child was having a really tough time a few years ago and I came across your work and it's really made a huge difference. It just always touches my heart because I sit here, I'm literally in my pajamas right now, cocoon from the world and how my work, it really impacts people on a day-to-day basis. And so when I meet people face-to-face and I hear those stories, um, it's very, very touching because it's very easy to fall into this belief that, you know, I'm just sitting here in my pajamas talking to my wall and my dog (laughs) and nobody else is listening. So thank you all. And thank you for those of you that leave a review. Maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So sorry for the short episode. I just got right to the meat of it and getting right back to bed. And I'll talk to you guys again next Tuesday. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 